la noche, manténla ocupada. Me gusta oscurito y que la luna luz y que tú alucine con mi merenguito. listening 90.1 KPFT Nuestra Palabra. Please continue listening to our soothing sounds while we start the show in a bit. Moi je suis en mission J'ai pas le temps J'ai plus le temps pour les autres C'est ça le temps Moi je suis en mission J'ai pas le temps J'ai plus le temps pour les autres C'est ça le temps T'es pas très gentil Tu pourras être aimable Même si t'as pas envie C'est quand même plus confortable T'es pas très gentil Tu pourras être aimable Même si t'as pas envie Hey listeners, this is Natalia Cornelio. You are listening to Nuestra Palabra, and I'm so happy to be talking to all of you. I just wanted to remind you to go out and vote. In Harris County, we're currently in the middle of the primary elections. It's early voting uh, today up until 7 o'clock, and then all the way until Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., you can also vote on Super Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. You can vote at any polling location near you. And uh, don't forget to get out and vote. We'll be right back. 
This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always más. Thank you so much for tuning in to another installment of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. This is a preview of Super Tuesday coming up. We hope you are voting early or going over all of the candidates and thinking through them. This is also a special preview of a new show we have coming up on KPFT beginning Thursday, March 12th, 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. live. We're going to have a brand new show called Latino Politics and News. I'm looking forward to hosting that. And we will be talking about issues from a Latino perspective, but really profound dives into every single facet of politics and how it ties into our community because there's not enough of that. And, of course, don't get scared. Some people have been scared that that means Nuestra Palabra is going off the air. No, we're going to have two shows going on, but we just don't have enough time, space, and resources to fit everything that needs to fit into just one radio show. So Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, will continue during this time slot. And we have a great team now that's been bringing you art, literature, culture, and politics for all this time. But especially right now, as this next election winds up and and goes into its next phase, we really need more focus on the Latino demographic and how our community is influenced by every single issue, it's clear that that's not being satisfied. So KPFT looks forward to being a pioneer in that field. Having said that, then, today at the top of the show, she's already in the studio with me, so you're getting a little bonus time with her, uh, is candidate for Judicial District 351, Natalia Cornelio. ¿Cómo estás? Muy bien, muy bien. ¿Cómo estás? Muy bien. Thank you so much for coming live to the studio. Of course. And we'll be talking to you at the top of the program as our first segment. We will, of course, mention who the opponents are. You have an opponent in the primary who's the incumbent. And then we're going to explain this many, many times because we want you to, even if you know this information, you've got to be the instructor, the teacher, the translator for your community. So right now in the primaries which are over next Tuesday. So one week from today, they'll be counting the results. So you should vote early or else you better do it (laughs) before you go to work next Tuesday. So don't put it off. We'll know what's going on at the end of next Tuesday. So this is really our last chance to talk about this. Yeah. And this is really important. Uh, So we want to remind you to tell folks this is the primary. When you get to the booth, you're going to pick Democrat or Republican And then you're going to basically pick who are the finalists for the election coming up in November. So we will also mention who the Republican candidate is for your race. And then in the second half of the show, we'll be calling in to Sima Hernandez, who is a candidate for Texas senator, the Texas U.S. Senate. And there's 12 people running in the Democratic primary. There's about seven. I'm going to look at my notes in a little bit to give you the exact number of how many are running in the Republican primary primary, including the incumbent, John Cornyn. Uh, 
So I do want to point out that Nuestra Palabra Latino Writers Heaven Your Say is on KPFT, which is a nonprofit station. So we're going to go out our way to carefully not endorse anyone because we can't. And we want to bring all the views together. But we want you to know that we tried to invite as many people as possible. Not all of them could come. And sometimes that was on us. Sometimes that was on them. We actually had to get our resources together because there's a lot of people in every single race, uh, you know, which is mind-blowing. Yes. And then we're also going to keep going further come March in that second uh, part of the month, second half of the month, when we have the program dedicated to just that. An entire team focused on the research, inviting the folks, following up with the folks, and other different details that are very different from what we do on this program. So I'm only telling you a little bit behind the scenes so you understand that this preview is also getting us ready for that other show. And if you want to volunteer, we're looking for folks to help in every capacity. Uh, of course, we need production assistance, everything from learning the board to doing graphics to doing research to social media, but also community engagement because, you know, that's what we're about. We're not just about pandering. We're not just about broadcasting. We're about going deep into the community. And that's what we demand from every single candidate that's going to step up. Now, uh, I want to introduce some of the folks here keeping this thing going. Hey, I'm Tony Diaz of Libertad Ficante. I'm Letty, running hey, the board. So Letty, thanks for running the board and getting a great lineup together doing the rundown. Yes. Yes. And we have our other crew of volunteers, brand new. Yes. This is Claudia Soler also helping and learning. It's Rodrigo, Rodrigo Bravo. And at the end of the show, near the bottom of the show, Rodrigo's going to give us an update on Dignidad Literaria, which went down in San Antonio and is going to be going down at AWP, Associate Writing Program. There's going to be thousands of people uh, participating in that. But this is a segue to our soapbox because I want to point out we do not have the luxury of being just about art. I will say this. Mainstream arts organizations, even if they're nonprofit, they have the luxury of being able to focus on only art. We do not. And basically, everything we touch has something to do with social issues. And again, if, if you got to explain that to folks, you tell them that Nuestra Palabra also became the Libro Traficantes because they were banning Mex-American studies. So when, when people want to become, uh, you know, they want to try and make me expand my horizon and say, Tony, it's not just about social problems. I remind them quickly that, no, there are people at work to keep us from our knowledge and history. So I say that because art and politics are always intertwined. That's one thing. Secondly, Dignidad Literaria is a very important movement that we will attend to and will always be about books and writing on this show. But it's great, too, because Rodrigo is brand new to the show, but he's tweeting up, tweeting up a storm, brother. <laughs> he's awesome on social media. But also, we are attending to these national movements that we're part of. Now, I do want to say a couple things about the, the politics. You hear a lot of, I'm going to call them frequent voters, um, veteran voters, and they land blast reluctant voters, new voters, um, low propensity voters, and they need to get off their high horse because here's how this works. So in mainstream media, which is not doing enough to quantify our community the right way, but let's disregard that for this. Let's not even talk about that for this moment. What you're going to hear about from the intelligentsia of the news, um, you're going to hear them talking about six leading candidates. They'll probably bring up seven because there's seven presidential candidates for the Democratic Party on stage tonight at the debate. That's all they're going to talk about. Now, people get confused, I think, because not only do they have to register and vote in time for the primary, which if you didn't register to vote, you missed the vote. So you do need to get registered to vote to vote in time for the presidential election in November. But that's the first part. There's like so many different dates to keep in mind. So if you missed <laughs> registering to vote now, you can't vote in the primary. If you vote in the primary and you go even early voting um, I hope you go especially here in Houston Texas Harris County to harrisvotes.com if you are registered you'll type in your first name last name street number street name and again if you're registered to vote you'll hit search your name will come up 
and then they you click on sample ballot. And with that sample ballot, it will show you who's actually running where you live. Having said that, once you do all that, people are going to look at, you know, let's suppose they pick Democrat and then we'll do we'll, we'll talk about Republican. If they pick Democrat, all you keep hearing about is six or seven candidates and really three or four. There's like 12. Let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. There's 17 candidates. Okay? So then there's 17 candidates for president, some of whom you don't hear anything about. Here's the other step as well. Some of these are no longer running for president. So you still have on this list of 17 Julian Castro. You know he's going to get votes, especially here in Texas. Cory Booker. Uh, you know, uh, Marianne Williamson no longer running anymore. And, and some of these other candidates as well. So if someone really wants to study, if they go the day of, they're going to get confused unless they already have a name that they picked or they're going to see these other names. Additionally, when you hear in the mainstream news about the race for president on the Republican side, you take for granted that only Donald Trump as the incumbent is the only one running. Here in Texas... If you pick to vote in the Republican primary, once you get your sample ballot, you'll see that there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There are eight candidates for the Republican Party for president. This is not talked about enough. And then together you've got 25 candidates. And most people that I meet who are earnest about voting and eager, they want to research everything. This becomes a bit overwhelming. Here's the other crazier part. So... A lot of people look, look, like to look down on new voters, young voters. People are voting for the first time and take it very seriously. Well, look at the Republican side. <laughs> There's Okay, I'm, I'm, I'll read the candidates. There's Bobby Eli, Roque Rocky de la Fuente Guerra. So there's a Rocky de la Fuente Republican candidate, and then there's also a Rocky Roque de la Fuente as a Democrat candidate. So there's two people with the same name. I did some research. It's like a father and son team. And the Republican fellow representative who's running has run several times for different offices. So that's one thing. If you go, uh, the other candidates, Matthew, John Matern, Bill Weed, Donald Trump, Zoltan Istvan, Joe Walsh. Here's the last candidate on the Republican primary for president. Uncommitted. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so it's kind of like uh, again as a as a professor, this is exactly what English teachers do when they land blast students for not learning grammar. I'm like, yo, player, slow down, slow your roll, because when you didn't know grammar, it was complicated for you. You didn't know where to start. Okay, don't, don't play that way. Same thing when you started voting. I'm sure you weren't exactly certain which day primary voting started. Uh, special elections, runoffs, etc. And then when you get to the actual sample ballot, you got ridiculous things like uncommitted. The other thing I want to say, and then we'll take a musical break and get to our invited uh, candidates. The other part, too, and this is why we need help with our team as well, because writers want to be found, okay? I don't care what the controversy about American Dirt is that the New York publishing world can't find Latino writers. We find so many that we can't keep up with them. So we find Latino writers. So we're good at research. I tell you that because this should be a law where if you run for office, you should have, you better have a website and you should fill it out. There should be some basic questions to fill out because I am not playing. It is hard to look up some of these folks. And I knew it was the case for school board elections. Um, you know, there's just some, you know, silhouettes running for school boards, <laughs> you know, throughout the 17 districts that overlap Houston. But I was looking up information for constable, fifth, fifth uh, district, fifth precinct constable on the de Democratic side, three candidates. One of them has a website. I'm sorry for law enforcement. You know what I'm saying? It's like that is mind boggling. Uh, additionally. Of course, on the Republican side, and, and I should say their name in a little bit. I'll say it a little later in the show. On the Republican side, that person's the incumbent. They're easy to find and call. Um, but e even for Senate. Now, on the Senate side, when we when we talk to uh, SEMA, there are several candidates for 
for Democratic and Republican side. Even John Corning has some competitors. I'll tell you how, how long that list is. Same thing. It's hard to call some. And this is the Senate. It's hard to call some of these folks. How do you reach them? How do you look up their platforms? And and to me, this is this is what else is what's wrong with with the older voters who are established land blasting the young people. Young people are used to looking up information, looking at the platforms. I really don't think you should get away with not posting all that information. It's very minimal. And worst case, we should impose one on you. And we should expect some questions for you as well. That's just the tip of the pyramid. We'll be getting to more of this and more. Our community is being disenfranchised in different ways. We're going to change all that with your help. This is a preview of the primaries coming up. we got a big debate coming up for the Democratic uh, presidential candidates tonight. We've got live in the studio, uh, candidate for judge, uh, Cornel- Natalia Cornelio. Hi. She'll be kicking off the show. we got Seymour Hernandez, who's running for Senate, two important positions. Uh, we appreciate them coming here in the studio. I want you to know we invited all the opponents. Uh, we'll tell you why they could or could not come, but we appreciate you coming here. We appreciate you listening. And grab your tío, tía, neighbor, cousin, niece, nephew. Gather them around the radio and then listen in, and uh, you got to tell them how to participate and uh, tweet us some questions as well. We're going to take a short musical break. You're experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. We'll be right back. And you are tuning into Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. This is our Super Tuesday preview, and we've got several candidates who are running for office. And we want to remind folks, too, that we got to educate folks. We have live in the studio Natalia Cornelio. She's a judicial candidate for 351st Criminal District Court in Harris County. 
Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. And I'm going to read your bio here. Okay. So for 13 years, she's been an attorney, public servant, advocate, and criminal justice reformer. She currently works as the Director of Legal Affairs for Harris County Commissioner Rodney Ellis in Precinct 1, where she helped draft and finalize the settlement in the misdemeanor bail reform lawsuit O'Donnell versus Harris County. That's a big deal. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Immediately prior to this, she was the director of criminal justice reform at the Texas Civil Rights Project. As director, Natalia was counsel and advocate for hundreds of parents along the United States-Mexico border after being forcibly separated from their children under Trump's unlawful family separation policy. She also settled TCRP's debtor's prison lawsuit oh, man. <laughs> against the city of El Paso to end the city's practice of incarcerating people for their inability to pay traffic tickets. Yep. Oh, man. We have a lot of work to do in the aye, justice aye. system. And before that, um, I was a federal public defender here in Houston representing hundreds of people who could not afford their own lawyer. They were facing serious felony charges and I was their public defender. I I believe that no matter how much money you do or don't have, if you're facing a criminal charge, uh, you should deserve to have the best lawyer because it's really serious and it impacts you and your family and all of our community and the integrity of our system. And so that's, I think we can sum up with that sort of starting my criminal justice career and, um, Bring it back to here. Let's talk. Well, and I think that is fascinating because you've seen every level of the judicial system, and now you want to do it as a judge. Tell us exactly what a judge does in that capacity for that particular office. So at 351st is a criminal court that serves all of Harris County. So anyone in Harris County can vote for me. Not endorsing, but uh, anyone in Harris County can vote for the 351st District Court. And it is a felony court. So any felony that comes through Harris County is going to go to one of 22 criminal courts. The judges of these courts preside over criminal trials and felony cases. And then also make really important decisions about bail, about sentencing, um, post-conviction matters. And then stuff that doesn't even have to do with a specific person's case, but actually affects a lot of people's lives. Like the judges vote on a bail schedule. We could talk about that. Criminal judges appoint counsel in cases where a person cannot afford their own attorney. And, um, you know, they manage a caseload. So how often and why people have to come to court is a big deal of the system. It affects a lot of people, the witnesses, the victims, the defendants, the community, the families. And a judge's management of those processes is a really big deal. So, So there are laws, but at the end of the day, judges still have a lot of power to interpret. Is that fair to say? What that, goes on in front of them? That yeah, they have lives? they have discretion under certain laws. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the poets and the lawyers sit down <laughs> and try to have a conversation. Uh, and, and and I want to bring that up to then to the difference between perhaps you as a judge and and the um, your opponent. And um, I do want to mention his uh, his name. He is the incumbent. Uh, his he is George Powell. He is currently the incumbent. And on the Republican side. You have Arlene Hecht. I do want to point out that we did call his uh, office. He is a judge. Left uh, information with someone, uh, one of his um, assistants, and invited him to be on the program. Uh, we were not able to get him to come to the show. Uh, and again, I'm just giving you facts. Want want to make clear that we did invite him. Yeah, he's there. And then also, <laughs> the other thing I want to point out, though, it was. He did not have a website, though. I could not find the website. And also for Miss Arlene Hecht, who's on the Republican side, I could not find her website, which to me is concerning. Do I have a website, Tony? You've got a website, Twitter. It's like, it's what, like, Facebook, it's Instagram. Like Facebook, Instagram. And, and one, of the, one of my goals of uh, running for judge, you know, our judges are leaders. They, they interpret and apply the law. Very important. But they're elected in Harris County, which a lot of people don't know. And then even more people want information on what that means. Um, And I think, you know, the reason I'm on this show, the reason I'm campaigning hard, the reason I have Twitter, Instagram, website, todo eso, is because the people deserve to know what's going on in our courts. Um, Transparency, clarity, understanding. And, you know, I've been an advocate for years and an attorney for years, and we're always trying to get meetings with the judges. We're always trying to, we're representing people before the judges and 
you know, it's unique to have somebody that's willing to be accountable. So I'm putting myself out there um, with that intention of staying accountable to the to the community that I'm serving always and to the laws that I'm tasked with following. Um, the, well, I also want to add as well, too, there's um, an interesting, there's a great website, law.com, and there evidently they gave many judges questionnaires to all, answer all of the candidates yeah they sent us a questionnaire i have to bring this up too and I, I i you know if the judge were here i would ask him directly his answer was very short how is my answer your answers were very long and i mean you talked <laughs> about wordy. you talked about you know what kind of changes you want to make on the docket of course it was from the point of view of lawyers so i learned a lot about uh, going through all those judgeships in there i like that they put those all together i'd have to say that of, of all the judgeships i like the majority filled out several paragraphs worth. I was I was disappointed and surprised that he did not fill out more. There were single sentences. And uh, let me ask you this. Um, why is it important to for the legal profession about the nature of this docket? Can you explain what that is to folks and why it's so important, especially to lawyers? Sure. Um, so, you know, a lot of times I think people that have been in court have had the experience where you go to court and nothing happens. And the reason that that's so important and the reason it should be a priority to reduce how many times something like that happens is because as an attorney productivity, right? Why am I going to go to court to do nothing? Um, but as a community member, as an employee, as an employer, as a relative, as a parent, as a um, somebody with responsibilities, the pet owner, homeowner, you know, that's time away from the things that you need to be doing. So it's incumbent that our judges take very seriously their schedule. And it's not, you know, it's it's not easy. The good news is that there are resources available. In Harris County in particular, there are millions of dollars being given to the county um, and experts being shared with the judges and other government officials on how to improve. So what we need is leaders who are willing to take advantage of those resources, which is another reason that I'm running. You know, I'm a really hardworking person. I care very much about these issues and these systems and are not all of the judges, including my opponent, are taking advantage of these resources to make the system better. It, it just it has to be a constant thing. You know, it, it's a serious job and, and you have to bring it everything you've got because you might only be there for four years. And you're saying there's things that they can do every day on on how things are run, who's seen when, that can that can add to the uh, help the experience out. This show's about Latinos. We want to talk about some issues that affect us. Let me ask you this: How are what difficulties do Latinos fo face when they wind up in the 351st? Oh well, this is not specific to the 351st. It's this, a justice system issue. I mean, on some level, there's going to be language barriers. And, um, you know, and by, uh, by the way, I've just brought up get, having social media or not. I haven't even touched if anything's <laughs> in Spanish, because if I went there, it's like <laughs> not, and, there's and, no information in Spanish for these candidates. And it's hard. I mean, campaigning is not our full time gig, right? Like everybody right. that's campaigning has a job. And so we really have to make time. I mean, my I just got married and my poor husband has had two dates with Yay, me. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. And what but, was the go vote? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. That wasn't a date. I guess. Um, but no, it's it's a lot of work. And then to do it in both languages or to find somebody to translate if you don't, you're not able to do it in both languages, that that's time consuming and resource consuming. We can only do the best that we can. Um, but for people in the system, and it's not just people charged with crimes, it's victims, it's witnesses, it's community members who are trying to be mm. the public who watch the courts, it's jurors. Right. Um, not having more capacity to accommodate Spanish speakers is a big problem. Not having more attorneys, not having more judges who are bilingual or, or Latino um, is a big problem. Wow. There are another thing that is sort of my baby child in my professional career is there's a lot of intersection between the criminal justice system and our immigration system. Mm. There are tremendous consequences if you're faced with a crime, but also if you're a witness and also if you're a victim and um, the procedures available to people to make sure that the process has the utmost integrity is something that our judges and our uh, county just needs to constantly strive to improve. I, I would add, too, that I've spoken to many immigration attorneys who say that most uh, immigrants who are in the legal system on the criminal side, they need two lawyers, which is the criminal exactly. lawyer and the immigration lawyer. 
which is, you know, mind boggling. But and the, the county just did something very cool today, um, bias because, um, but but they just passed a funding measure uh, to provide counsel, a legal defense fund for immigration cases for people in the county because, and it's important because it is a severe. It's a collateral consequence, right? I mean, if you get a certain conviction or you're even charged and then you're brought through the system, if you have no money, you know, your rights are on the line and you have a lot to have to defend. And people need the resources to make sure that they have the ability to defend themselves um, under the law. The law does provide procedural protections and we need to make sure that people get them. Man, now, and those are two massive issues that, Again, we're just scratching the, the tip of the pyramid on that, but yeah. it's, it's it's important that you have that in mind as you go into uh, into this uh, campaign. Can I say one more thing about Latinos? Please. So we're, as of 2018, um, over 43% of the population in Harris County. And I think that's an undercount, but go on. There are, no, of course, and we'll know more this census. Everybody be counted, Please. right? <laughs> um, but in uh, there are 38 criminal courts between the county courts at law, criminal and the district court's criminal. And we have zero Latina judges. Is that the case? Zero. Wow. And um, and the civil side, we have one Latina on 26 benches. Wow. Zero on the courts of appeals. And so, um, you know, one of the reasons I'm putting myself out there, it's not at the expense of anybody, right? It's just to add representation and diversity there. Um, to be, you know, we want our government to have had experiences that are diverse and that reflect the population um, and our population is massively Latino, so we really should have some Latinos in power también. Well, especially with our new show coming up, we have to have that new show because now we need to talk about the lack of uh, Latinas on um, on those benches as well as the lack of Latinos in the city council. Mm-hmm. Uh, go down the list because there are structural issues that keep that from happening. Uh, as as we wind down the, uh, the interview, uh, let, I'd like to give you a chance then to tell us um, – why should people vote for you? Now, how would the world be different? Um, I mean, you know, you're out there to do some good. Yeah. Can you really do some good as judge? What would you do? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think my integrity first and foremost, but I, I'm also the hardest working girl in this business right now. Like you said, I'm keeping all these medias and that's what I'll do on the bench. I will work as hard as it takes to always make our system better and to always make sure that the public has complete confidence in my decisions, meaning that. They know that I know the law. They know that I'm listening. They know that I'm being thoughtful. And they know that I understand the consequences of my decisions on the people who I'm making them about and on anybody else that's touched by that. Um, that's why. I, I, I work hard and um, and I care a lot about the community. Um, and I'm very smart. That's awesome. <laughs> well, well, thank you for putting your neck out there, okay? Yeah, because it, it is a lot of work, and like you say, you're, you're anybody who's running for office makes sacrifice of time and energy. So thank you, yeah. thank you so much. And if you're listening right now, you need to get involved. We hope you'll educate folks. We're chatting a little bit. You say, "Hey, Tony, you're probably stressing people out oh, the about." Beginning. <laughs> you can actually take a sample ballot. You can print it out. He he kind of explained where to find it. And I know there's a lot of people on this, but you can take your time. You can fill it out. You can research. And you could take it into the polls with you so that by the time you get there, all you have to do is turn the dial and push the button, which actually for my swagger was really hard to do. Also, she was like, push. She was pressing instead of turning. And I was like, she was touching the screen. (laughs) But but there are people there that can help you election workers if you're having trouble with the technology component. And and for our listeners, really, I was trying to get your adrenaline going because you (laughs) are leaders and we're deputizing you. You're the ones that have to print out the sample ballot. Look, look these up and talk about these with your family and friends. Yeah. Hey, we're going to be back talking about the Texas senatorial race. We've got Sima Hernandez here live in the studio. Thank you, Thank Natalia. you, Tony. And thank you, dear listeners. We're going to take a short musical interlude, and we will be back. We're talking politics on Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. Natalia Cornelio, 351st, over and out. <laughs>
And we are back. You're experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. This is our preview to Super Tuesday, which ends next week. So by the time we're on the air next week, we will know results for these races. But right now, you can early vote. And if you are in Harris County, you can go to harrisvotes.com. We have live in the studio a candidate for Texas Senate, Sima Hernandez. ¿Cómo estás? Thank you for coming. Muchas gracias por la invitación. No, al contrario. And I will point out there are actually 12 candidates on the Democrat side. And then here's the other thing as well. I, I, I think because of constraints in the media, I haven't heard a lot about what's going on on the Republican side. So they too have a primary. Of course, the incumbent is John Cornyn. And they have five candidates on that side of the uh, of the aisle as well. Um, but I also want to thank Simo before your bio because you came to our American Dirt uh, Encuentro. Thank you. Yes, no, it was a great experience to sit and learn from great literary minds about what was going on with American Dirt. And at the end, you threw down on a on a sociological level. I was like, dang, that was. <laughs> I like that. That's cool. But I think that's the intersection of art and politics. Yes. Right. And and getting it done community style. So uh, here is the bio for Sima. She is the daughter of immigrants. The sacrifices her parents and grandparents made are part of what fueled her decision to run for U.S. Senate. She grew up in a migrant working family, and she understands the struggle of people who are burdened by crushing debt, job insecurity, environmental racism, and lack of health care coverage. These are common struggles of the working class. She worked in acute health care for six years, caring for insured and uninsured patients. So you've seen firsthand, besides with, you know, la gente, what's going on with health care. Claro que sí. Though her background in health care, she experienced firsthand the flaws of our health care system. As a mother, Simba became a volunteer baseball coach and volunteer organizer for low school baseball organizations, where she served on the board of directors. Excellent. Later, Sima became a dual licensed insurance agent, where she saw the bias of health insurers against people in vulnerable communities as in ours. Most politicians have no idea how their constituents are affected by health care and insurance, but these experiences influence her community activism and her community and her policy platform. She's a passionate human rights advocate, activist, and organizer in Texas. She was inspired to run for Congress after waiting for other politicians to do something about worsening conditions in Texas and our great nation. Her 2018 primary campaign for U.S. Senate was historic, promoting progressive issues, policies, and solutions. Her campaign earned the trust of voters who responded with 24%. In Texas. Man. In Texas, of the Democrat vote for the first-time candidate and a slim budget. <laughs> okay, uh, I hope Bloomberg's listening. You know, we had Tom Steyer on the other day too. Of okay, is this a typo? Four thousand dollars. Four thousand dollars. That's beautiful. Well, it's it's lo que aprendí today that someone said to me that you can't buy the trust; you earn the trust of voters of people. And that resonates so much with so much with that we with, with what we have built for the last four years with this campaign. And I want to finish the bio, and then because this is better than American Dirt, okay? You should you should read this is American Dirt. How to? And then I want to go back to the um, to the infusion of money in, in politics, and then talk about some of the the topics on the line here. Um, but I want to finish this out uh, while assisting Beto O'Rourke's campaign against Ted Cruz. Sima became co-chair of the Texas Poor People's Campaign, continue her fight to end systemic racism, poverty, the war economy, ecological devastation, and the distorted moral narrative. With the encouragement of her supporters throughout Texas, she launched this 2020 Democratic campaign against Republican Senator John Cornyn. Felicitaciones por all that you've Thank done. Thank you. And I do, I'm going to resist delving into structural change because I think for, for Latinos, both parties need to be paying attention to structural change. I will say this. Um, I'm sure people listening 
are saying that yeah, they got a certain slant, etc. Um, let's get something straight. Both parties should attend to structural issues. That's why both parties are not really catering to the Latino community and our community issues down the board. That's one thing. I'm gonna. I, I'm not gonna go there. We'll save that for her. Our show starting uh, March 12th. But your four thousand dollars. So they were saying Tom Steyer spent fourteen million on Nevada. Of course, here just in Texas, I think Beto had like eighty million for that race. Well, in the primary is four point six million dollars to in the primary to suppress our campaign. Wow, that's to suppress our campaign. And when the primary was over, guess whose phone was ringing off the hook to come out? <laughs> Mine. Because it's like if you got if you got twenty four thousand votes with. I'm sorry, 24% of the vote with $4,000. And, and additionally, they went on to have a bigger bank for the actual election. And I bring this up, too, because exactly, um, you're being obviously you're being outspent. But even here in Houston, uh, you know, Busby spent $12 million to win Houston. He did not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kathleen Wall spent $7 million to win a congressional seat. She did not. Um, you know, how come money doesn't work? And how come, how come the people listen to your campaign without dollars when you ran in that primary? Well, one, they know what I'm about. They know who I am. And although I cannot buy the fancy ads, people look and see what we have been building. And they trust what I say because people with big names put their name behind me and vouch for me and trust that I'm doing the work. It's not just lip service. And the the money that goes into, you know, doing an ad or going to, um, you know, commercials, all that, you know, creates this... Um, uh, this information buzz about a candidate to prop them up. But what what we showed is that what helped our campaign is our networking and our community building skills. And I can tell you, I don't have anyone in, in, uh, in my circle of, of organizers that can say that I come from a place of bad faith mm. or that I'm a, I have a bad reputation as an organizer. The one thing that I have repeatedly is built constant connections with people and that builds trust that's powerful and again you've proven it with your experience in that primary uh you proved it by coming to our events you're on twitter you're on social media i'm going to quickly just to just to be fair mention the other candidates there's 12 i'm gonna do a fast uh mary j hey mary mj hagar royce west dr hunter michael cooper adrian abuguada uh you uh which is sima hernandez uh, Anne Mama Garcia, Chris Bell, Amanda Edwards, Christina Sinsun Ramirez, Victor Hugo Harris, Jack Daniel Foster Jr. And again, not enough people know on the uh, Republican side, the incumbent has four challengers uh, Mark Yancey, Dwayne Stovall, Virgil Biskin Wally, I forgive me, I. I I think I mispronounced his name, and then John Anthony Castro. Uh, so, so let me ask you this: What are some issues you think that the Democratic candidates need to really focus on to, to as senators? Because tell the truth, mm. be honest. Do not weaponize identity politics for political gain because you don't have policy to fall back on. Mm. When we had a debate about a few, you know, about, about a week ago. And because of that debate, out come the super PACs to prop up their their candidates. And with me, I don't have super PACs. I don't have billionaire donors. I don't have bundlers. I have people coming out to support BlockWalk and phone banking from their own homes because our campaign is all about grassroots organizing. And people will get their phones out and call all of their friends. It starts with the first degree of contacts, and then you ask those friends to call other people and those friends to call other people, and and it spreads. And that's what happened in 2018, and they underestimated our campaign. Porque mm-hmm. dijeron, oh, it's una, una Latina, she's out of Pasadena, she's a nobody. Boy, did we show them. Boom. Yes, mm-hmm. and we were unapologetic, we were honest, we were truthful about who we are, who where we come from, and saying that I'm not ashamed of being una hija de inmigrantes, working in the fields and not having a full college degree, but still understanding how these policies impact our lives and being able to apply it to real life experience. That's something that all these other politicians don't do because they're busy paying their consultants millions of dollars to figure out how to 
shape and form a candidate's lifestyle so that they can fit the narrative of what a polished candidate looks like. And, and let's let's pretend we're in an alternate universe because if you had been senator um, during the impeachment, right, mm-hmm. uh, as a Texas senator, you would have had one of those votes. Uh, Mr. Cornyn voted to not impeach Donald Trump. How would you have voted in that case? This sorry, leading question. There, there is so much to look at the evidence and just look at how the Constitution is structured, and not go in there with any bias, whether I like him or hate him. And obviously, I hate him. Um, (laughs) But to go in there and just look at the evidence and convict based on the evidence that is provided, that is the way a senator should rule. And calling on witnesses. And asking the House to please include another article of impeachment that includes the Emoluments Clause. The Emoluments Clause would not have needed witnesses because there is a paper trail of evidence that shows that Trump was acting in the interest only to benefit himself and his family and his wealth. That alone would have impeached him. I would, of course, impeach him on those two articles alone and voted to convict him. But there are some things that, you know, there, there's a process in which needs to be followed and it wasn't fo- it was it was followed but we have people like Mitch McConnell in that position who set the rules so that they can favor the outcome that the president wanted and he let us know that before they went in and, and so if you had voted that way it would have been a tie but then probably Pence, Pence would have come in so so i only bring that up to to find out where you were standing on it and then also to make clear to people that the votings do have consequence, and and this you're you're fighting, um, you know, an incumbent. Of course, the odds are in favor of incumbent, uh, but it's so important. But there still needs other votes to to change that that policy. Uh, let me ask you this: I got to ask you, uh, I I don't like if 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 you were just pandering to us, I wouldn't talk about immigration too much. But I do. <laughs> but uh, since you are from the community, you understand it uh, profoundly. Um, pick, pick an angle on this because let's see, you've had the president take away funding that Congress had appropriated for, let's go to military. Now it's coming from money that would have gone to F-15s, Hummers, etc., and then saying, nope, we're not going to use it for that. He's going to override Congress and use it to build the wall. Uh, you know, If you win and um, you're a senator, what would you do in that case? I would dismantle the Department of Homeland Security. And that's bold. Because that that's the real problem with immigration policy and the influence the president has directly on that specific agency that was created after the Patriot Act 2001 after the 9/11 attack. The Patriot Act initiated the beginning of an agency called the Department of Homeland Security in 2003 which got all these other agencies from other departments put them in one and now we have one president whomever the president is whether it was Bush, Obama or Trump to influence immigration policy directly. Mm-hmm before immigration policy was already structured and under the guise of the Department of Justice. But after 9-11, these agencies were created, and now any president can go around the Constitution to avoid due process, to avoid equal protection under the law, so that his racist, unjust, immoral policies separate families at the border at the behest of the president. And he can also divert funds from FEMA that should have gone to Puerto Rico, that should have gone to Florida, that should have gone to Texas, that should have gone to Louisiana to help rebuild our cities, our towns, our colonized islands of Puerto Rico, which, by the way, we sh- you know, the people of Puerto Rico should decide what they want to do with their... That's a whole other show, but <laughs> yes. yeah, that, that, that's deep and profound, too. Yes. But we can't touch it right now. <laughs> yes, and, and, but that, that decision of FEMA money is now under the president, and his immigration policy affects FEMA money. And now it's going to a wall. And this affects how that FEMA money is distributed in our communities. If you saw after or during uh, Harvey, people were afraid to come forward because they were asking for their papers. It's just yeah. another apparatus to disenfranchise and criminalize more communities. No, no. That, that, well, well said. Now, uh, we're running a little bit short on time, but I do want to give you time to tell listeners about your platforms and your own um what would you like to let them know about you but i do want to lead up to that by bringing up of course gun control uh you've got the slaughter in el paso that um you know seemed to have been based on a lot of the racist rhetoric that's out there uh that was 
you, you know, I don't know if they paraphrased him or he paraphrased them, but the, the killer used some of those tropes in there. Um, you know, and you had in Virginia where they seem to be passing some measures for what they're calling sensible gun control. Um, what could you do as senator, do you think, to stem this this tide where our community is being attacked in schools, places of worship? Law-abiding citizens have no problem registering their guns. It is those who intend to uh, be unlawful in how they utilize the weapons that they buy. I intend to ensure that there is legislation put in place so that people can register their guns just like we register our cars. Just like we have to register to go to school. I mean, it's common sense. Now the liability is is on, on the gun owner and be responsible for it. And if it goes missing, it is their duty and responsibility to report it when it goes missing. Two, utilizing the Commerce Clause of the Constitution to regulate the gun industry, the kind of manufacturing that the gun manufacturing company does. There was a point in time where the NRA used to be about gun safety and, and civil rights, and now it's about lobbying for the gun industry. If we're going to end the gun violence in this country, we also must end the proliferation of war in other countries. And that's another issue that goes right into the climate crisis, because we know that this war economy that we have that takes away the wealth of social programs here in the United States, we know that that is fun. It's being funneled into the war economy, and that exacerbates the climate crisis because we know that we are going to war for oil, for these contracting companies, for the fossil fuel industry, and that exacerbates our climate crisis and destabilizes so many other countries that end up at our borders. And we have about 30 seconds left. Anything else you'd like the listeners to know about you? I, I am Sema Hernandez. I'm running for United States Senate. Quiero representarlos a ustedes. I want all of you to understand that this election is so important. And the reason I'm running and the reason why I need you to vote is because we need to end the generational trauma that has happened generation after generation and bring about some justice and dismantle systems of oppression so that we can get our families, our loved ones in a better situation. Y sacarlos adelante like they took us. Y sacarnos adelante nosotros. Hey, thank you for coming to the studio. It takes a lot of time and energy to, to run for office. Thanks for doing it twice. Thank you. It's my, and, it's my honor. And uh, you're listening to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. Thank you so much for putting a great show together, Leti. A shout out to Q. Q could make it today. It's Rodrigo. Hey. All right. And Good night. We'll be back next week. You better vote. Many of you have been longtime listeners and supporters of KPFT. This station asks you to consider establishing a bequest in your will that benefits KPFT. Supporting KPFT with a legacy gift is an easy decision to make. The future growth and excellence of our station depends on our ability to also build a permanent base of support through an active and successful legacy gift program. The next time you meet with your advisors to review your estate or long-term financial plans, please remember you can include KPFT. Ensure your commitment to public broadcasting continues on. With the help of your attorney, a bequest is simple to put in place. If you need help or have questions, call our development director at 713-526-4000. Again, that's 713-526-4000. Please join listeners like you in helping to ensure that the independent voice of KPFT will be preserved for generations to come. Name KPFT as a beneficiary in your will today. This is KPFT Houston. KPFT's 50th birthday is Sunday, March 1st, and you're invited to the party. We're marking this major milestone where it all began, at Thera Peretti's at 500 Louisiana Street, formerly 618 Prairie, the building where KPFT was born. Please join us from 4 to 8 p.m. for cake, appetizers, drinks, and more. And if you have a KPFT...